4, Ephesians chapter number 4, and if you're able to, let's stand tonight for the reading of the Word of God, and appreciate you being here on a Sunday night. I I hope and pray that the message will will be a blessing to you. I enjoyed studying for this uh, service tonight, and we're in Ephesians chapter number 4, and we're going to read the first seven verses of this chapter, and uh, pray that the Lord will use it tonight to help us as a church, and of course. We know that uh, the Apostle Paul, as he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, trying to help the church in Ephesus, and of course uh, we understand that the church is the people of God, it's not a building, and so tonight as we look at the admonition, notice what he writes, the Bible says in verse 1, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And I've entitled the lesson tonight, All for One and One for All. I love the fact that our church is a church that I believe is a biblical church in the the essence that we are a church that is in unity. And that's the way God's heart is for his people, for the church. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Pray that you'd help us to never let anything come between us, especially between us and our Savior. Lord, I pray that we would endeavor to keep the spirit of unity in our church. Thank you for your grace. And Lord, may we who have been recipients of your grace extend that grace to other folks also. Thank you for this time tonight. Bless those that are here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I I look at this portion of Scripture, and of course it brought to my mind that phrase, and I wonder if you've ever heard that phrase, one for all and all for one. Kind of brings to mind, in my mind, the three musketeers, right? And uh, I was reading through, I didn't realize, Brother Guy would probably remember this, he's a lot older than I am that the, the Three Musketeers used to have strawberry in it. Did you know that? It used to have strawberry in it. Brother, Brother Gilbert, do you remember that? You don't remember that? I can't believe you're not that old. <laughs> but you know, when I, when I was growing up and I, and I watched those Three Musketeers and uh, you know just kind of what they were doing, what it was all about, what I come to find out, bottom line, was... Here were these three individuals who had vowed to stand together for one common cause. Uh, The fight that they were involved in was for one common purpose. And I really believe that that is what God wants for his church today is that we would stand together for one common cause. Uh, One goal, and that is that we are together in Christ. Certainly, we know that we have an adversary who is always attacking. The Bible says 
that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. And folks, listen, every day the devil is attacking with his fiery darts. He, he wants everything he can do that he's seeking whom he may devour. And I think it's so important that we, we stand together. If somebody said unity is not just a possibility, it is a divine requirement. God requires for us to be together as one. And we even see this as Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And the Bible says there, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And that's the way we need to be, folks. Look, it's not my way, it's not your way, it's the Lord's way. Standing together, striving together for the faith of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, when we think about that, there's three aspects of this unity that is described here in Ephesians chapter number four. Notice, first of all, that we have to figure what exactly, according to God's word, is the source of our unity. As we were in the Holy Land a couple months ago, and uh, we were talking to some folks that were at church this morning, we went to lunch and had a good time, and they were asking us about some of the things that we saw, we experienced when we were in the Holy Land. And I was talking to them about, you know, the, the fact that everywhere we went, that where you saw a city, that there had to be a water source because water it really is indicative of life. Without water, you can't live. And we can do without a lot of things, but you cannot do without water. And we were discussing them with the, uh, this with these folks at lunch, and we were talking about where the source of the Jordan River begins and how it flows out of the mountains, flows into the Sea of Galilee, flows out of the Sea of Galilee, and flows all the way down to the Dead Sea. And I said, it's an amazing thing when you realize that it's the source where it begins. And we actually were in that area where, where the Jordan River began. And I remember thinking, wow, this is where, because we eventually got to see the Sea of Galilee. We eventually got to go down to the Dead Sea, but we had seen where it all began. When you think about unity, where does unity begin? Well, the Bible tells us here in chapter number four, look at verse number four again. It says, there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all, but unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And I see here that he's describing the source, that you and I, we share a common ground. That the common ground, look, what is it that brings us here together tonight? It's certainly not so that we can get together socially, although that's a part of the Christian life, fellowshipping with one another. The one common thing that all of us have is the Lord Jesus. Jesus has brought us here together tonight. I mean, I love the fact that whenever I travel and I go to a church and, and I might worship because I'm in a different state or a different city, that I can walk into that church and I can feel like I'm home because we are together in Christ. We have a 
common ground. Look, we come from different places. Uh, we, we have some of us different uh, maybe accents or dialects or whatever it may be, but we all share a common ground in the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice we share a common grace. The Bible says again in verse number 7, unto everyone, notice not just some, every one of us is given grace according to, look what the Bible says, the measure of the gift of Christ. And you know what this grace does for us? It helps us so that you and I can live and, uh, and get along with one another. Can you imagine what it was like for Jesus to hang out with the 12 disciples? <laughs> Sometimes I, I think to myself as I'm reading the scriptures, thinking to myself, wow, Jesus really was long-suffering and patient with those, those guys. And, and, and I think to myself, you know what it was that kept Jesus from, from maybe stuffing them in a trash can? Was the grace of God. And I think about how every one of us need to realize that God's grace is available for every one of us. Somebody put it this way, to live above with the saints we love, oh, won't that be glory? But to live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. You know, sometimes it's, it's not easy to get along with someone. It's not easy to, to, to have a common uh, uh, ground uh, between us. But I'll tell you this, that God has given us his grace and God has equipped us and what he wants us to do because of what he's given to us, he wants us to be a blessing to each other and he wants us to be a help to one another. I think it's important that we understand the source of our unity. The source is the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God. That's the source of our unity. Folks, without Jesus and without the grace of God, there really wouldn't be unity among us. And I'm glad that we can recognize the source of our unity as Paul writes here. But notice, secondly, he then shares with us the secret of this unity. What is it that, that makes a church special? What is it about this matter of being together? The Bible described the church in the first century in the book of Acts that they were in one accord. They were together. They were unified. And I see in, in this chapter, look at verse number 2, the Bible says as we think about the secret that we must first of all exercise the right walk. Exercise the right walk. Look at verse 2. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another. And what's those last two words? In love. Now, I'm going to tell you, sometimes I get around some Christians and they don't know how to love one another. They really don't know how to get along. They don't understand the secret of our unity, as Paul is writing here, the secret is we've got to exercise the right walk. Uh, our duty as Christians is that we are to manifest and we are to maintain unity in the church. Did you hear what I said? To manifest be, means to make, make known, to reveal, to, that people can see it. Look, it's something that's genuine, it's real, but not only to, to, to show our our unity amongst ourselves, but also to maintain that unity. And from time to time, you know, we might have to pull over and we might have to deal with something. And that's, that's what maintaining the unity is all about. Well, how do we do that? There are some ways that he describes in verse number two on how we can manifest and how we can maintain unity in the church. Look at these four words that he uses in verse number two. The first one is the word lowliness. Now, let me, let me explain to this matter of lowliness, because a lot of times people get the wrong idea here. 
but it, it literally means having an accurate understanding of your own moral smallness. Having an accurate understanding of your own moral smallness. In other words, as it was put in the Word of God, I am what I am by the grace of God. You know, look, we need to understand that Jesus was meek and lowly. And one of the ways that we can manifest and maintain unity in the church is that we have a lowliness, secondly, a meekness. The word meekness deals with having, having uh, uh, power under control. It's not weakness. In other words, it is having power, having the, the ability, listen, the power to react against something. But listen, here's the key, refusing to do it, refusing to act against it. You know, look, folks, there's a lot of times people are going to wrong us. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But you look at our greatest example in the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he do when people reviled him? He reviled not back. And in our lives, when somebody does something, especially within the body, we need to have a meekness. We, look, we might have the power to react against it, but understand that meekness is refusing to do so. Refusing not to say something back. Refusing not to get angry or resentful towards someone. If we're going to maintain unity and we're going to manifest unity, we've got to be lowly. We've got to have meekness. Notice number three, the third word he uses is long-suffering. Boy, here's a word, long-suffering. This means to be long-tempered, to be patient in your endurance. You know, it's, it's just like you know, the tortoise and the hare, right? And you just, just be patient in your endurance. And the question tonight is, if something happens in your life, do you have a long fuse or a short fuse? Are you explosive? You know, are you a reactionary when it comes to certain things? Look, Lord knows I've been guilty of this in my life. And it's something that I'm constantly trying to work on is to be better about this matter of being long-suffering. Jesus was a great example of this, is that if we're going to maintain unity, we've got to have a lowliness, a meekness. We have to have a long-suffering. And then look at the fourth word he uses, forbearance. Now, forbearance is a great word. Here's what it means. To put up with or to give space to someone so that they can be themselves. Now, that, a lot of times what we want is we want somebody to be what we want them to be. Folks, if you look in the scriptures, Jesus found people where they were. And we have to be forbearing with people. Look, give people the right to be different. Understand that we're not all the same. There can be differences of opinions. Look, I guarantee you that there are some of you here tonight that don't agree with everything that this church believes or maybe something that I might preach. There are differences sometimes, but I see here that forbearance means to give space, to allow there to be a difference. Now, again, if it's something doctrinal and it's not right, then yeah, we need to come together in the unity of doctrine. But I see here that if we're going to maintain unity we've got to have lowliness meekness long-suffering and forbearance we have to exercise the right walk 
And there's a lot of people that are not walking and exercising the right way according to the scriptures. But not only should we exercise the right walk, look at letter B, we must embrace the right work. Embrace the right work. I mean, when I think about the work of God, it is work that is worthy for us to be involved in. Look what it says in verse number three in our passage tonight. The Bible says this, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Now, there's, there, there's a great word there, the word endeavoring. When I think about the work of God, you know, I, I, I've been around a lot of folks and, and I've, you know, I've known some that are older, some are younger in ministry. And everybody has a different mindset when it comes to the work of God. But I'll tell you this much, to me, uh, I, just, I just don't know any other way but just to attack the work of God. Because the word endeavor here means to exert yourself, to actually dig in, roll up your sleeves. When I, when I studied the Apostle Paul, I, I honestly believe that he endeavored to do the work of God. He worked hard. He was a hardworking individual. He didn't sit at his desk with his feet up in the air. He got busy. He was studying the Word of God. He was witnessing to people, and he was trying to help them understand. And even as he writes to the churches like this church here in Ephesus, he's trying to help them understand that what we have to do, listen, is we have to work at guarding the unity of the church. Let me say that again. We have to work at guarding the unity that's in the church. Sometimes as a pastor, the Bible describes the fact that God has given me the oversight. And this is one of the responsibilities that I have as a pastor. This isn't my church. I'm just the under-shepherd. This is the Lord's work. But as I, if I might see something going on amongst the, the, the body of Christ, then what I may do is, is pull somebody over. I asked a, a couple to come into my office today, and it's funny. Every time I ask somebody to come into my office, they automatically say, am I in trouble? Every time. I just, you know, I think it's, I think the reason is because some of the people I asked to come in there, when they were growing up as a child, they never had to go to the principal's office one time in their life. And so here they are going into the pastor's office and they're like, okay, what did I do? You know, am I in trouble? And a lot of times I'm like, no, you're not in trouble. I just wanted to talk to you. Hey, by the way, that, that is what a pastor is here for, is to try to help us to maintain this matter of unity in the church and try to help people understand we've got to guard it. Folks, look, if we, don't, if we let down our guard, guess what's going to happen is there's going to become a divisive spirit amongst us. And that doesn't please the Lord. You know, look, the devil wants division and discord among the brethren, not God. God wants there to be unity among the believers. And I, I love the, the Bible, how it says here, verse number three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. Look at these words, in the bond, the word bond, here's what it means, glue. In the bond of peace, the word peace means harmony. That we ought to be dedicated, that we ought to be exerting ourselves, that we ought to be trying to keep harmony and, and in such a way, look, it's our responsibility to walk in love towards our brothers and sisters in Christ and to work at keeping unity in the church. But look, we're not going to do that. The secret of keeping that unity is exercising the right walk, but it's also that we see here that we've got to embrace the right work. We've got to embrace the right work. So Paul says here, look, we need to understand the source of unity if we're going to be a church 
that stays together. And we've got to see what the secret of that unity is. But then notice number three, what's the satisfaction of our unity? Uh, look at verse number one. Here's what it says. Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. And by the way, we see that word, we think a negative connotation. But that's not negative at all. He says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Now, what's he talking about here? He's talking about living a balanced life. That's what's missing in most people's lives is having a balance. The word worthy, that's what it means, balanced life that you would walk worthy, have a balanced life. We need to walk together as we're, we're walking together and in unity. Guess what we're doing is we're declaring to this world around us, this unsaved world that's watching us, that what we have is real, that we are a church that is together. It's important that people see that. Because look, folks, people don't understand the ways of God. And we are a walking billboard. They need to see the unity, and how's that going to happen with a balanced life? And as we live a balanced life, guess what we're going to have? A blessed life. God's going to work in our lives, and he's going to bless us. Look, we won't be rich, and we won't be famous, but I'll tell you what will happen. As we stay together in unity, we will bring honor to the Lord, and God will bless us when we honor him with our lives as his church. Look, not even the devil can penetrate and destroy the church if the church stands together in unity. I remember standing in Caesarea Philippi a couple months ago, and I remember they were sharing with us that this was the place right behind us was the temple to Pan, to the, to the gods, their idols that they worship, the temple to Zeus. And he said Jesus would have been coming right up this way, coming up towards these idolatrous temples and he said this is where Jesus uttered those words I will build my church and the gates of hell Hades will not prevail against it and I love the thought here that look the devil he is wanting everything he can to destroy the work of God and he's been after it all these years but look folks if we stay together, not even the devil can destroy. That's a promise from the Lord himself. But I will tell you this, if we as believers, if we break rank, if we don't stay together, we become easy prey for the devil. We've got to stay together, one for all and all for one. That's what our motto needs to be. As a church, as believers, Herman Edwards as he was a uh, NFL coach, he was a very colorful coach, a very witty coach. He coached the Kansas City Chiefs. And when it came to his thoughts on unity on his team, teamwork, here's what Edwards said. He said, the players that play on this football team will play for the name on the side of the helmet and not for the name on the back of the jersey. And we need to understand tonight that we are in this because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It has nothing to do with us, and it has everything to do with Him. Folks, I hope your desire tonight is to endeavor to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you so much.
for the admonition tonight from the Word of God. Thank you that we find the source of our unity is in the Lord Jesus Christ and the grace of God. Lord, where would we be without grace? Where would we be without you and what you've done for us? And the secret of our unity, Lord, is that we need to, we need to make sure that we have a right walk, that we're right with each other, and that we need to embrace the work of God, Lord, that we would endeavor, that we would do everything we can to exert ourselves to keep the unity within the body of Christ. And Lord, I think about the satisfaction. That's what Paul experienced in his life, that he was satisfied in Jesus. And Lord, I think about how important it is that the world sees us in unity. Lord, that the world sees that what we have is real. And Lord, as we realize tonight that we are here because of what you began. This is your work, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Now, Lord, I pray that you'd bless our fellowships tonight. Lord, may they be sweet times as your people get together. In the days ahead, Lord, as things happen, I pray that we would all guard keeping a unity among ourselves. And Lord, again, we ask your blessings upon us and upon this work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.